Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Some people like surprises. They almost seem to thrive on them. You only have to live in this world for just a couple of years to realize that surprises are just part of life. I don't like surprises, but surprises don't need my permission to happen. Evangelist Chuck Swindoll writes, surprises come in many forms and guises. Some good, some borderline amazing, some awful, some tragic, some hilarious, but there's one thing we can usually say, surprises aren't boring. Isn't that right? A story is told about a professor who sat at his desk one evening working on the next day's lectures. His housekeeper had laid that day's mail and papers on his desk. He shuffled through the mail, tossing most of, tossing most of them into the trash can. He noticed a magazine which was not even addressed to him, but delivered to his office by mistake. He fell open to an article titled, The Needs of the Congo Mission. As he read the article, he came across these words that he could not get out of his mind. The need is great here. We have no one to work the northern province of Gabon in central Congo. And it is my prayer, as I write this article, that God will lay his hand on one, one on whom already the master's eyes have been cast, that he or she shall be called to this place to help us. The professor was Albert Schweitzer. He closed the magazine and wrote in his diary, my search is over. He gave himself to the Congo. That little article, hidden in a periodical intended for someone else was placed by accident in Schweitzer's mailbox. By chance, he noticed the title. It leaped out at him. It was a surprise, a good surprise. Sometimes, God works in surprising ways to get his message, his good news, across to people. This Christmas Eve morning, we have the story of a great surprise, if not the greatest surprise in the Bible. Without any warning at all, Luke introduces us to Mary. He writes, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. We don't know how Gabriel appeared before Mary. We don't know where Mary was when this happened. Was it in the night when everything was dark and she was outside by herself? Was she in her room all alone? Did she realize at once that an angel had appeared before her? Whatever her situation was at that time, it is easy to imagine that this was a very scary situation. It was a surprise appearance for sure. And whether or not Mary liked surprises, this one surpassed any that might have happened to her in the past. This was a good surprise. We get to know the name of an angel. That sticks in our minds because he's one of only two angels named in the Bible. Now angel means messenger. This was not the first time God had sent Gabriel on a mission. Still, we should not get the impression that Gabriel was a cute little messenger. 
He appeared before Daniel, and Daniel was terrified and fell prostrate. When he appeared before Zechariah, Zechariah was startled and gripped with fear. And now at his appearance before Mary, Mary was greatly troubled at his words. Luke does not tell us how angels looked like because it will not add to the story. It is enough to know that his appearance evoked fear in the people he appeared before. His sudden appearance alone is enough to strike that fear. You might have experienced this. How sometimes you live in the same house and without hearing a sound, a family member suddenly appears out of nowhere and that startles you. Gabriel's appearance was even more startling because he was not a member of the household. Still, this very powerful angel derived his power from God. He did not have his own strength. His strength came from God. Gabriel means God is my strength. Luke gives us a time frame when he says in the sixth month. Earlier in this first chapter of Luke, he had told us about the struggles of Elizabeth and Zechariah to have a child. They had given up because they were too old. They knew it was not going to happen. They had resigned themselves to it, but they would serve God. They would still believe in him. Their faith in him would not waver. Their attitude toward God did not change. It is a great attitude to have as Christians, an attitude that always believes God, an attitude that always trusts him. When it comes to ourselves also, we know things don't always go the way we planned. They don't always work the way we expect them to. Ours may be problems with our family, and we may wonder why there should be problems since we are faithful Christians, at least as faithful as we can be. We try, we pray, we attend church, we attend Bible study, we study the Bible on our own, and still we have problems. Ours may be illness, illness of the sort that can be deadly, and we may be asking, why me, a child of God who knows that he loves me? Why not just those who do not care anything at all about God? Surely they deserve it and not me. Why should pain be a part of my life when I've taken to heart God's promise that when I call on him in the day of trouble, he will hear me and answer me? We can have all these questions. If so, we need to rehear the words of Jesus when his disciples told him that he knew he knew all things and believed that he came from God. Jesus replied to them that they will be scattered, all of them, and they will leave him alone. And he said he was telling them these things so that they may have peace. And he added, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Or we may recall the Apostle Paul and his thorn in the flesh when he prayed to Jesus to take his illness away, and Jesus said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul gives his surprising response. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Jesus does not abandon you in your struggles, even if it feels that way sometimes. It may be hard to believe, but your pain is his pain. Your trouble is his trouble. Your challenging circumstances are his challenging circumstances. And he's with you. When your situation is good, he shares in your joys. 
whether it is the excitement of a new job or promotion in your current one, whether it's the restoration to health or the excitement of being with family when peace prevails, he is with you. In our reading, Gabriel said to Mary, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. A strange greeting indeed. We can imagine the situation. A young woman, a virgin in her mid-teens, engaged to be married, not living with her husband yet, and out of nowhere appears this being and talking to her. Mary could have collapsed there and then, but God was in control. He had not sent Gabriel to Mary for the purpose of intimidating her, but for the purpose of bringing her this great good news. Gabriel was aware of Mary's fear, so he told her to stop being afraid and assured her once again, you have found favor with God. He gave her the great news. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Gabriel explained that this child will be an extraordinary child. Mary would conceive by the Holy Spirit. This would be totally mind-boggling for anyone, and it was for Mary as well. This child will become an everlasting king. His kingdom will never end. He will be conceived in a mysterious way to save his people from their sins. He will save his people who stray away from the truth of God. He will save his people who sometimes want to retaliate for a wrong done to them. He will save his people whose thoughts are sometimes different from his thoughts and whose ways, are some, whose ways sometimes contradict his ways. He will save you. As if to reassure her, Gabriel told her about her relative Elizabeth's pregnancy. She was now in her sixth month of pregnancy. Elizabeth had stayed away from her compatriots when she became pregnant. It looks like Mary was very close to her, but Mary did not know about Elizabeth's pregnancy. But now, thanks to Gabriel, she knew. Gabriel may simply have told Mary about Elizabeth's pregnancy to show her that nothing is impossible for God. But it may also have been so that these would be two people who could now be there for one another with what was happening in their lives. Sometimes, not having anyone to share your joys and trials with can make you feel your aloneness even more. God has made us into a community of people to share. It is beneficial. The Apostle Paul praises God for doing that. He wrote, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. It sometimes happens that we go through certain life experiences in order to be helpful to one another. Certain things may happen to you, positive or negative, and that experience may make you just the right person to walk alongside another person. Mary and Elizabeth would do that when Mary goes to visit Elizabeth and she stays with her for three months. They share unique experiences, but they are also experiencing pregnancies for the first time. It didn't matter that one was decades older than the other. We can be there for one another as God's people. We can share similar experiences and even dissimilar experiences in how we believe that God worked alongside us in our situation. 
We are there, most of all, to listen and to pray and to encourage. Gabriel told Mary that she was highly favored, highly favored by God. It was not because she had some special quality that no other woman, young woman her age at that time had. It was not because she was holier than all women of that time. It was not because she devoted more time to God than any other woman. It was purely out of God's own initiative, love, and grace. You can hear grace in the words Gabriel used. God's favor is his grace. It is unmerited, but God's favor did make her a special woman because she became the mother of the Son of God. That put her in a class by herself. We should hold her in high regard, but we should not worship her because she herself worshiped Jesus. She called him God, my Savior. Highly favorite. You also are highly favorite. That is a good surprise. You have not been visited by the angel Gabriel, but you have the same Savior as Mary did, Jesus Christ. He was born of Mary and for Mary. He was also born for you. He was born with you in mind to do whatever it took to make you a child of God. Whatever it took was his own very life, a life more precious than any that has ever lived on this earth. He did not live long on this earth according to our reckoning of time, but he lived long enough according to God's reckoning, long enough to achieve his goal of making you his own, highly favored child of God. He did not wave a magic wand to make that happen. He made himself nothing, of no account, and weak to allow himself to be arrested and nailed to a cross. It happened in a small city, Jerusalem. But what happened in that small city is effective for everyone all over the world who believes in him. In that small city, Jerusalem, he rose again from the dead. He accomplished what he came to do. It happened only one time, but that one time is enough. That kingdom that Gabriel said will never end has begun, even though we do not yet see it or feel it, since Jesus has accomplished his work. It will become fully manifest, and you will be part of it, because you too have been highly favored by God. Amen. And now we rise and confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. <laughs>